Okay. Uh, today's uh, scripture is uh, Luke 19, verse 11 to 27. Luke, uh, yeah. Um, okay. Um, as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. And because they supposed that the kingdom of God was, appear, was to appear immediately, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, minas, uh, and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered the servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your, minus, uh, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful. Faithful in a, uh, in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, uh, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who do not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Amen. All right. Thank you, sisters. Hole. All right. I'm going to begin today's message with some giveaways. All right, some giveaways. So I, I have two more copies of Pastor Benjamin's uh, Book of Revelation series. So first, let me get leaders who want it. Leaders who want it. All right, leaders that want it. Leaders that want it. Anyone. The favor of the Lord shall rest today upon Crystal. All right, there you go. Here, I got one more copy, but I'm going to give this one to a, to a newcomer. If you're a newcomer or visitor today, and you would like a copy of <laughs> Pastor Benjamin's uh, Book of Revelation series. And the favor of the Lord shall rest today on... All right, Crystal, here, here you go. Okay, hope that's the blessing. And I got one more, one more. One more, so don't, don't hurt yourself. This is uh, Mike Bickle's Encountering Jesus. Uh, it's an MP3 CD, so you need to have a computer to play it or MP3 player. Um, 
uh, Stacy Campbell's husband, Wesley Campbell, gave it to me personally. And then uh, it was during June, June of this year when God was trying to get my attention to do the house of prayer. Um, after I got this, just a couple weeks later, Kirk Bennett gave me the same thing, uh, except it was the 2009 version. So I have the 2009 version. I don't know what to do with the 2006 version. So if you will like it, raise your hand. All right. It's like there's a lot of sermons on here. It will give you the history of IHOP. All right. All right, here, here, Christine's praying over here. I'll give it to Christine. <laughs> okay, God bless you guys. Now, if any of those CDs are scratched or they don't work or something like that, just let me know and I'll get you an alternate copy on, on MP3 or something like that. All right? All right, very good. Um, I just want to announce uh, one announcement today. And that is that... Beginning from this month, I am going to begin to submit to a, you know, last week I preached on be a father to the fatherless and the importance of having father figures in our lives and how God uses the father figures to really challenge us, mentor us, to encourage us, love us, and uh, how it's important that we have those types of relationships in our lives and that we are also playing that part for others when we are at a place of uh, readiness and maturity. And so, even as I was preparing that message, God has been speaking to me for the last few months about really submitting myself to a spiritual father. And so, I have searched the various faces of ministers that I know, uh, and uh, I really felt like God was leading me to have peace about asking Pastor Benjamin Robinson. All right, and so he's only about a few years older than me, but uh, I mean, God's really prepared this man. Uh, he's also moving in the apostolic gift, all right, and so this is uh, it really fits kind of um, him mentoring me. So I got, I had to inquire of Pastor Huang, the head pastor of our mother church here, and get his blessing, and also of Samonim here. And God had, when I asked him, God had already been pretty much preparing their hearts in advance. Uh, so when Samoni met Pastor Benjamin here after Niagara, uh, she loved him and had a lot of peace about uh, meeting with him and actually had in mind that we should interact more and work together more. And so uh, she also shared that with Pastor Huang. So when Pastor Huang heard about it, he also has peace about it. And he's blessed me to go ahead and submit myself to a spiritual father. Now, this is good news for you guys because you see me here yelling at you, rebuking you, challenging you. All right, and you're probably wondering, Pastor Christian, you need some of that too. <laughs> All right, well, okay, well, I'm sure I will get some of that from Pastor Benjamin as I really submit to him um, regarding uh, various matters. And also, I need to be challenged. I need to grow myself. And one of the areas that I'm not growing as quickly as I would like is in the area of like kind of character and relational <laughs> skills. And I'm more goal-oriented type of individual. All right? And the goal-oriented people are like, what's the problem? <laughs> but, you know, when, you do, uh, when you're in a position of leadership, it's very important also to develop your relational skills. And I believe uh, Pastor Benjamin is naturally a very relational person. He's a lot of strength in that. So I believe that God's grace is really going to be poured out upon me. This means, practically, I will be making a couple trips to California every year. And uh, we're going to spend money... We're going to spend money to fly him in probably at least like once a year or something like that. 
So you'll see a lot more Pastor Benjamin, and uh, I'll probably share a lot more of what he says and shares with me as he speaks into my life. So um, I'm really excited about that. Now, <clears throat> I was listening to some of my sermons from last week, and I noticed that I say, uh, and ah, uh, a lot. And I believe one day I will put an end to this habit. So in my effort to break the uh and ah spirit, I have put under every header here, no uhs and no ahs. So be patient with me. I will get them all out of my system. I know that it is a bad... Uh, oh, there it is again. <laughs> yeah, I'll get it out. I'll get it out. Anyway, alright, so I've been preaching a sermon series on the nine core values of our church. Those nine core values are be extravagant in worship, freedom is for everyone, father the fatherless, be faithful in small things, the anointing flows from the top down, roll with the punches, supernatural is natural, contend for the kingdom, and dream big. Alright, very good. Alright. We have a, uh, we have a, uh, <laughs> have a very large number of, uh, oh man, I rebuke this spirit. Wow, it's just coming even and I'm not even saying it, it's in my mind. Um, oh wow. <laughs> We have a large proportion of leaders com- compared to the people that come out to our church. So, you know, it's a good thing. And all of our leaders, they have our nine core values memorized. Now, today I'm going to preach on the number four. Be faithful in small things. Everybody say that. Be faithful in small things. So earlier, our sister Sole, she read the parable of the ten minas found in Luke chapter 19. So I want you to put your... Bible marker on Luke 19. And then if you have your pen or something, or you have a bookmarker, put it on Matthew chapter 25. Especially for those who are a little bit more thinkers, and you want to see the analysis and the differences, it will be helpful for you. Now, in Matthew 25, we have a very similar parable with a similar message that some people may confuse as being the same parable, but in actuality, they are two completely different parables. And I'm going to cover quickly some of the differences. In Luke chapter 19, you have the authority figure is described as a noble man who goes away to become king. In Matthew 25, you have a man described as simply going on a journey. In Luke 19, the ruler gives money to 10 of his servants. But in Matthew 25, only three servants are mentioned as receiving money. In Luke 19, each servant gets a mina. <laughs> you know, when Sole read, that, read it that way, I, I laughed when it came to, um, Lord, here is your mina, which I have laid away in a handkerchief. That's a funny imagery. Anyway. <clears throat> in Luke 19, each servant gets a mina. Now, I don't know which footnote to believe. In the ESV, they, they, they say that a mina is about three months wages. 
But in the RSV and the NIV, they say it's only about 20 bucks. So I'm not sure who to believe, but it's not that large of an amount of money. Uh, oh, sorry. In Matthew 25, one servant gets five talents, the second servant gets two talents, and another one gets one. And the Bible says, each according to his ability. The ESV says, a talent is worth 20 years' wages. The RSV and NIV, once again, they disagree by saying that the talent is about $1,000. Now, I'm not sure which country's cost of living they're using to determine three months' wages. Anyway, a mina is a much smaller amount. It's a much smaller amount than a talent. All right, that's all you really need to get from that. The faithful servants in Luke 19, they make profits of 1,000% and 500%. In Matthew 25, the faithful servants, they both make profits of simply 100%. The lazy servant in Luke 19 hides his money in a handkerchief. In Matthew 25, the lazy servant hides his money in the ground. In Luke 19... At the end of the servant, the lazy servant is rebuked and the ruler orders that he is, his enemies be brought in and slaughtered in front of him. But in Matthew 25, at the end, the ruler rebukes the lazy servant and then orders that he be cast into the outer darkness where there is a weeping and gnashing of teeth. So considering these details, it is most likely that the gospel writers are referring to two different parables that Jesus gave at two different instances. <clears throat> and despite the fact that they are two different parables, the central message of both parables are identical. And what is that message? It's very simple. Be faithful in small things. Be faithful in small things. I know that in one parable, they got... Minus, which is a small amount of money. And the other parable, they got talents, which is a lot more money. But depending on how much wealth you were already dealing with, it was just considered a very little amount in both parables. And so the message of both parables is saying, be faithful in small things. Here, I'll show you. Luke 19. When the nobleman returns, nobleman, sorry. <coughs> the nobleman returns, having received his kingdom... He inquires from his servants, what did you do with the one mina that I gave you? The first one says, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. Now, mathematically, that's a thousand percent increase. He didn't make nine minas more. He made ten minas more. So at the end, he had eleven minas to give back to the master. That's a pretty good return on your money. If I gave you... $100 today, and you gave me a 1,000% return on that, I will be like, you are one good and faithful servant. <laughs> Here, I don't have access to 10 cities, but I'll give it to you once I do. I mean, wow, that's, that's a pretty good return. <clears throat> and the king says to him, verse 17 of Luke 19, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. Wow. Somebody say, wow. You, you just are faithful with just a few, a little bit of money, and all of a sudden you're the ruler of ten cities. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> Goes to the second servant. Second servant takes the one mina, and he makes five more. And the king entrusts to him five cities. 
So if you happen to bump into these two servants a month after, and you ask them, wow, how did you come into this position of rulership so quickly? Both servants would have answered you with the same answer. It's simple. I was just faithful in the small things. I was just faithful with small things. You see, this is a kingdom principle that is identified in this parable. Being faithful in small things qualifies you to be entrusted with big things. Let me say that again. Being faithful in small things qualifies you to be entrusted with big things. The parable in Matthew 25 has the same exact message. The first servant, he takes five talents and earns five more. The ruler says to him, 25 verse 21, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then he goes to the second servant who has two talents. This guy makes two talents more. The ruler says the same exact thing to the second servant. You see, in both parables, Jesus is teaching the same message. And that's simply, be faithful in small things. Be faithful in small things. Say that to your neighbor right now. Be faithful. Now, if you want to be entrusted with a $200,000 income, you got to be faithful in stewarding your $20,000 income. Some people come up to me and say, oh, Pastor Christian, I can't tithe right now because I don't have any money. I'm a, I'm a college student. Uh, they, they're withholding my pay at the Hagwan. I mean, that does happen. If that's you, I'm, I'm sorry. We'll pray, we'll pray for you. But, you know, a lot of people say, I can't tithe right now because I'm, I'm, I don't have much money. If I had a million dollars, I would gladly give tithes and offerings to the church. That's what the mentality is of a lot of young Christians. But when people say that, I, I, I never believe them. You know why? Because even if you are completely saying that in sincerity, I'm telling you right now, if you can't be faithful to tithe with $20,000, you ain't going to tithe for $1 million. Because by the way, the more you make, the more you got to tithe. When you're making $1 million, you got to tithe 10% from that. If you can't be faithful in small things, you're not going to be faithful with the bigger. If you want to be entrusted with a better job, then be faithful with your current one. Go to work on time. Don't use office time to surf the web idly. Stop stealing company supplies. Do what you are asked to do and you know what? Go above and beyond that. You can't expect promotion when all you're doing is just the minimum. <clears throat> Be faithful in small things. You see, before you can manage a corporation, God wants to see if you can manage the office trash can. Be faithful in small things. If you want to preach in front of thousands, well, then you got to prove faithful in preaching in front of 20. I'll tell you that right now. Every week, I preach in front of about 180 people, right? And I've been to conferences and been guest speakers for 
crowds that were much bigger. I haven't hit a thousand yet. I don't think I've preached in front of a thousand yet. My, my wife has. She's, one, she's preached in front of like 6,000 kids. But that was in India, which is the second pop, most populous country in the world. <laughs> and all the kids, they, they weren't listening to her. Some of them were, but not all of them. Not all of them. Anyway, she has preached in front of thousands. I can't say I have. I haven't done that yet. But um, God doesn't trust to me, you know, crowds uh, in, the, in the hundreds. And, but I didn't get there overnight. You see, when I was Campus Crusade staff and I was getting training at GCTC in L.A., Actually, even before I got my staff training, my first sermon was in a hotel room filled with about 40 students. I had to sit on the couch. I didn't even have a pulpit. And I had to just preach to these 40 kids. And then when I was getting staff training in L.A., I would go to UC Riverside. I would go to Cal Cal Poly Pomona. I went to um, uh, UC Irvine, UC L.A., but when I would go to Cal Poly, Pomona, or UC Riverside, which are the smaller campus ministries, I would just be preaching in front of maybe 15 students. And I would pour out, and I did, they didn't tell me how many students were showing up. They'd be like, oh, don't worry, Sunday, there's going to be a lot of students, right? And I'm preparing like five, six hours, just sweating, just preparing my message. And then I show up, and they don't even have a pulpit for me. And it's just like somebody's living room, and then I have to sit down, and I have to preach a message about Valentine's Day in front of about 15 students. All right. I mean, it, it, it gets at your pride a little bit, you know, because you're expecting more. Anyway, God wanted to see whether I would prove faithful with 15 before he would entrust to me for 150. In fact, before I became the lead pastor here, what I didn't know was what God was doing behind the scenes. I was on Campus Crusade staff full time, and I thought that's what I was going to do for quite a while. I would be a Campus Crusade staff. I would do missions work. I would help with leadership development. But what I did not know was that for about a year and a half to two years, God was preparing me to be the lead pastor of this church. And the way that he prepared me was he had me preach and lead worship at every single Friday fire for about a year and a half. Almost every single Friday fire for about a year and a half. So if you come to a Friday Fire meeting now, we have about 50, 80 people, you know, each week. There's about 50 to 80 people coming out to pray on our Friday Fire. You should come. It's real thugawa. It's fiery. It's good. You're going to get blessed. But when we started Friday Fire, we only had about seven people showing up. Some, people, some, some weeks, it was just like five. It was just a prayer team. And I would have to... Humble myself, get up there, and I would not want to lead worship. I would not want to really... I, I, I spent like eight hours preparing this sermon for five people. You know, come on, think about that. You know, in the natural, in my flesh, I didn't want to do that. I, will, I want to save the sermon. I was going to recycle another one. <coughs> and at that time, we weren't podcasting every week. So I was like, man, this is a great message is going to be lost. Just only five people are going to hear it. But, but God would always test my heart. Are you going to prove faithful? Are you going to prove faithful right here with these five? Can you prove faithful week in and week out with just ten people showing up every week? God tested me for a year and a half. At the end of that season, the head pastor and someone came up to me and said, Would you consider, we heard that you have been preaching every single week 
Pastor Sam likes your messages for the most part. And we want to ask you. We believe the lead pastor is not going to come from somebody we interview from the outside. But somebody that's being prepared within this house. Would you consider being the lead pastor? And so when I went and prayed about it, and I prayed about it, God showed me all the clues. He showed me that he had already been preparing me. Hallelujah. We got to be faithful in small things, brothers and sisters. If you want to see people healed of cancer and come out of wheelchairs, you got to be faithful in praying for the sick week in and week out. Even if you don't see much results. Even if it's for something simple like, oh, I got a funny itch that won't go away. Well, let me pray for that. You know, I, I don't pray for itches. That ain't on my level. You don't, you don't do that. You just go up, you find a fever, you find an itch, you find whatever, and you pray healing. All right, and as you are faithful in small things, the greater healing anointing will come upon your life. Every healing minister, you read their biography, they have the same exact story. Year in and year out, they're praying for the sick. More people seem like they're dying than they are getting healed. And then the breakthrough comes. And then the healing flows like oil and water. Hallelujah. I believe that this is just the way it works in the kingdom of God. God knows that he who is faithful in small things will be faithful in big things. So even if your boss doesn't notice you picking up the trash, staying late, and going above and beyond, don't worry. Just keep being excellent. Be faithful in small things. Because if you do, God will reward you. He will see it. He will bring you a promotion, a pay raise, or even a new assignment. And I believe this is the a way that we want it to work around here at New Philly. And this is the way we've been moving in. This is a philosophy that I follow because it's a biblical philosophy. The things that we value most in our leaders are not gifts and talents, experience even, or, or, or your supernatural spiritual gifts, or even your anointing. Because by the way, if you get an anointing on you, it's free. It's not like you earned it. It's not like you came to a level of maturity and you got it. You usually get it by impartation or something. And when, you're, when you're really hungry through a season, God just he gives it to you. You get it free. You come up to me, I got a mighty anointing in my life. Well, you got it for free. We well, don't impress me much. <laughs> so that's not the type of things we look for in our leadership. What we value here is faithfulness in small things. If I ask you to stay late and you pick up the, uh, and I ask you to stay late and pick up the trash and you go and you do it joyfully instead of uh, sighing, complaining, you know, people, sometimes I ask them to do it and then they do it, but then they're like, uh, the whole time. All right. But if you do it joyfully, you do it without grumbling. You know what? God's going to take note of that. And as your lead pastor, I will take note of that. That the attitude of your heart is you want to be faithful in small things. Even if you come up to a high levels of leadership. Even if you're an apostolic level leader at our church. Never be afraid. Or never, never be so proud that you can't humble yourself and be faithful with a small thing. And so... <coughs> If we got leadership training and we offer it and you're coming out punctually, you're completing all your assignments, you're writing your testimony and sending it in, you're being an encouragement to others, 
If you're being faithful in all these small things, I'm going to keep an eye on you. And you know what? I just want to honor some people that I really feel like exemplify a heart in which they have been faithful in small things. And you know, this is not an exhaustive list, but you know what? I got to honor the people that I feel like honor is due to right now. You know, one of those people is Pastor Marcus. He's not here right now. He's at Itaewon. And I'll probably not, I won't mention his name when I'm there. Oh, I want to stay humble. I'm playing, I'm playing. Maybe I will. I don't know. But Pastor Marcus, <coughs> that homie, when we first started, man, he was like a wild stallion. Right? I used to disciple this brother when he was a Yonsei exchange student. All right? And, and he just had a whole different attitude back then. And so I had to love him to a place where he would trust me. I had to love him to a place where I could speak into his life. And so once I started to do that, I started laying hands on him. Man, when I started laying hands during small group, it was over. The Spirit of God started showing up. He started shaking. He's like, oh, what is that? Oh, wow, I feel power. I feel, I feel hot. That's the Spirit of God, brother. He's setting you free. And as Pastor Marcus continually was filled with the Holy Spirit, I noticed over this past year, he has really developed faithfulness in his heart. Faithfulness in small things. Whereas in the past, I'll give him something last minute to do or something like that. And he'll, he'll be like, oh. And he'll, he'll just have this attitude. And now I observe him, man. He goes above and beyond. And he, he really does it. He does it from the bottom of his heart. Another person that I, I got to mention here is John Newfeld. Right? Pastor John here. <coughs> this man goes above and beyond. This man is faithful in small things. Week in and week out, this homie is never late to anything. He makes me look bad. Or actually, I'm pretty bad at being punctual. I admit. I confess. All right? I'm trying to be faithful myself. But man, Pastor John, man, he, he really challenges me. He really, he really inspires me. Because he's faithful in small things. With the worship ministry that he's been trusted with, he's faithful with that. With the worship team, they've been growing, they've been, they've been learning. They've been getting excited. The worship in this house is just, even today, it was reaching a whole new level of worship. And this man is taking us there. But you know what? Every now and then, the Lord put it on my heart. Test that young man. So I'd be like, hey, home, home. I'll just, I'll just interrupt him sometimes in the middle of something. I'd be like, bro, hey, I need your help. I could do it myself, but the Lord's like, you don't do it. You ask one of the staff. So I'll go ask John. Hey, um, I need this recycle stuff. Go, can you take it down to the recycling bins? And the pastor, Chris, Pastor John's just he'll put down his guitar. And he'll, he'll say, oh yes, yes. Where, where's this going? <laughs> like that, that's that's him right there. He'll put it down, and then the next thing you know, he's ready. I'm like, brother, I can't break you. <laughs> now John is faithful, man. He is faithful. And small things. I, I say that also about Westfall. John Westfall back there. <coughs> he has brought so much peace into my life. He's so faithful with the tech team there. With all the little aspects of it. He is so faithful in those small things. And, and I know. And I, and I don't look down on John just because he's a tech team leader. God's going to grow his leadership. God's going to grow his character. And one day you're going to see him up here. You're going to be laying hands. You're going to be laying people out under the power of God. He's going to be counseling people and healing, deliverance, leading people through wholeness, to, the, to their wholeness. Because you've been so faithful, you're going to be entrusted with much more. 
Now, on the other hand, if you got an amazing ability or gifts, and you could teach, you could sing, and on top of that, you're moving in the prophetic, you're also healing the sick, but then when you are asked to clean the sanctuary, nobody can find out where you are. You're not answering your phone. Why? You got all them gifts, experience, talents, supernatural, prophetic, whatever. You got everything on you. You are lacking a faithful heart. And you know what? That's not that hard to, hard to spot. If that's you, I'm not going to look your way. When it comes to promotion, when it comes to increase, I'm not going to even look that way. Because that's, that's not the direction God's going to be looking. God's looking for people who are faithful in small things. He wants to entrust to them big things. So when you're having little tiffs and confrontations and, and little conflicts with your co-leaders or team members or, or co-staff or whatever. All right, don't just act out of the nature of your flesh. Don't just do what's natural. Don't do what comes of the flesh. Act in faith. Take the high, high road. Be faithful. Be loving. Be forgiving. Because God's looking at all that. You know, this is, I just believe this is a, a story that God has written himself. The Michael Vick story. Okay. <laughs> and Michael Vick is an African-American football quarterback who used to play with the Atlanta Falcons. And this, this gentleman was an amazing athlete. Everybody talked about him. All the kids had his sneakers and his jersey. All right. He has so much gifts and talents. But you know what he lacked? Was faithfulness. You know what his reputation was with Jim Mora, the, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons when he was there? He never showed up to practice. The rest of the team is there studying the film. He'll be out partying with his friends. He'll show up late to practice every, every week. And he was like, I'm Michael Vick. I don't need to practice. The same attitude as uh, AI when he was at Philly. Practice. Practice. You talk about practice. I'm talking about the game. You talk about Practice. It's the attitude of a man that doesn't know how to be faithful with small things. I'll tell you right now, you look at Michael Vick right now, after he got incarcerated, he, got, he went to prison for dogfighting. He, he used to run these dogfighting chains. And if you're a big animal lover, I'm sorry. Take your time and then forgive him, please. Because he's a renewed man. He's a different man, all right? Now he's playing for the Eagles. So if you're a member of this church, you are required to love Michael Vick. You have to forgive him and accept him. Because God is a God of second chances. Amen? Amen. That's right. And, and now you look at Michael Vick. The thing is, last year, he didn't play very well. He will go out. He'll, make, he'll, he'll get opportunities to throw. and also He will just miss all the passes. He, he didn't play very well. So all the Philadelphia Eagles fans were like, man, man, Michael Vick, he, all he's good for is wildcat formation, doing a little run here and there. He can't be a quarterback. He's, he's lost his old, old ways. But the thing is, all last year what was happening was he was under the mentorship of McNabb and Andy Reid. And uh, he also spent, uh, he was also mentored by Tony Dungy, the former coach of the Super Bowl champion in Indianapolis Colts. He's a Christian man. He's, he does a lot of campus crusade events. Real golly, Tony Dungy really helped to restore him and was the only one that was really believing in him and fighting for him to be restored into the NFL. Anyway, he gets mentored by all these guys. And all last year he's going... In with McNabb at 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning. Staying in the film room, being the last one out. All last year, he developed the character of faithfulness. 
So this year when Kevin Cobb had a concussion and Michael Vick got to play, he went out there and he killed it. All, everybody was raving. And then he played another game and he killed it again. And he played another game and he killed it again. And all the NFL commentators are like, Vic is back. Vic is back and Vic is back and he's even better than ever before. Why? Because his gifts and his talents, they realized they hadn't gone away. They're actually still there. And although he's 30 something years old, 31 years old, he's still fresh. He's still, his legs are still fresh. He could, he's still got a few years left in him. Or maybe many more. And what they realized is now he has the gifts and talents back, but not only that, He's got faithfulness, the character of faithfulness in his life. You combine that, that's a Super Bowl ring for the Philadelphia Eagles, brothers and sisters. (laughs) Don't hate. Don't hate Vikings. All right. (laughs) Randy Moss is washed up. He's got a bad attitude. Anyway, what I'm saying is, gifts are not enough. Right. It's only when gifts and talents are combined with the character of faithfulness that you will excel to your fullest potential. I can't because I didn't write that down. <laughs> that just came to me, so I, I, I'll, I'll get it on the podcast. Okay. I don't remember what I just said. <laughs> Holy Spirit will be flowing sometimes, and I'll just be like, ooh, that's good. And if you look in the life of Joseph, Daniel, and David, you see three men that experienced incredible promotion and increase. They had authority over entire cities and nations. And a lot of people, when they talk about their stories, they emphasize that the favor of God is what opened them up to go into the palace. But I want to submit to you today that yes, it was the favor of God that brought the increase, But it wasn't just the favor of God acting alone. What these three men also had in common was favor and faithfulness. Favor and faithfulness. These three men, they were faithful in small things. Joseph, when he got sold into slavery and came up to Potiphar's house, he was faithful to clean the dishes. He was faithful. He was a butler. He was so faithful that Potiphar took notice of him and put him in charge. When he got set up and he went to prison, Joseph continued to be faithful in small things. He kept his prison cell nice and clean. I don't know what he did, but he was faithful in small things. Prison warden put him in charge. You have Daniel. You know, Daniel, he was exiled. He was castrated. His family was probably murdered before his very eyes. And then he was forced to serve a foreign king. Now, Daniel has every right to be bitter. But you know what? Daniel, even though he experienced all these things, he was still faithful in small things. Because he knew it was all about God. (coughs) You see, before Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel didn't have a reputation of being lazy. He had a reputation of being one of the most diligent and most excellent of the servants that Nebuchadnezzar had. Daniel was faithful in small things. He used to go up to the rooftop at noon to pray every day. Daniel was faithful in small things. David was faithful in small things. Before he became the king of Israel, David was faithful in keeping his father's sheep. The lowliest job reserved for the youngest son. 
David did it and David did it faithfully. You see, brothers and sisters, faithfulness and favor were what was at work to bring these men into the palace. You see, if God only employed favor for his chosen leaders and raised them up into positions of great authority, then his chosen leaders would lack the character and habits necessary to be successful and fruitful. I'll say that again. If God only employed favor to bring his chosen servants into positions of authority, then those chosen servants would lack the character and the habits necessary to be successful and fruitful. You see, faithfulness, when it comes down to it, is a character trait. It's something that grows and it becomes a part of who you are. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. It lists the fruit of the Spirit. And one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Everybody say that. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's because like fruit, faithfulness takes time to grow. It's a character trait. It's a virtue. So God, instead of giving you a big assignment too quickly that you can't handle, God builds up the character in you so that you can handle bigger assignments. And the way he builds up that character is by trusting with you, to you, small things. Small things. Humble things. Things that other people don't want to do. Where you got to get down on all fours and mop the floor. Wipe the floor down. Throw out the trash. Hallelujah. I got three more pages, but I'm, a, I'm out of time. So I'm going to cut it right here. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, I can't go on. It's going to go on for a while. Welcome, newcomers, to, my, to a brand new Christian league. I'm committed to 35 minutes of sermon, and that's it. All right? And so right now, I want us to take this time. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. See, brothers and sisters, faith, being faithful in small things is something that God wants to build up inside each and every one of you. Before you will see promotion, before you will get the bigger assignment, before you will help end human trafficking in Asia, before you will build your own hagwan, before you will reform the education system here in Asia, before you will go to India and try to end poverty in some of the poorest neighborhoods there, and I hope that some of you will do that. Before you will get entrusted with such big assignments, we've all got to learn. We must prove faithful in small things. It is a kingdom principle that cannot be skipped, cannot be overlooked. For every man who overlooks it, he sets himself up for disaster. He comes into a position that he's not ready to handle yet. And the way that God works is he always prepares his servants in advance. He hides them on the hillside Tending sheep. The older brothers don't even think of bringing him in when Prophet Samuel comes to visit. Where, where, where man looks on the outer appearance, man looks on gifts, man looks on talents, man looks on the supernatural anointing and signs and wonders, man looks on the outside. The Bible says God looks upon the heart.
And brothers and sisters, if you know today that you are increasing in promotion, you're increasing in positions of authority, but you know your character is not catching up, I want to, I want to exhort you. Put a strong focus today on developing your character, developing your faithfulness, being humble before the Lord, being humble before man. Hallelujah. Lord Father, I just pray and I speak blessing over this congregation. This is the fourth of our core values here at our church. And it is a value that is not as visible as be extravagant in worship. It is a value that really only a few people can see. It's a value though that you see and you see with clarity. And that's faithfulness in small things, God. I pray that, Lord, before you and before men, we would always keep a humble heart. No matter how high we go, may we be always willing to wash the feet of our brothers and sisters. To be a servant. For Christ has set forth that example on our behalf. I pray you build up faithfulness, faithfulness, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness is there. I pray that faithfulness will be built up in your people here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I bless your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.